Chapter 9 It was Saturday morning around 9.30 when James was woken by loud voices and a commotion outside. He looked out his window and saw two police cars, an ambulance and a medical van all parked on the street. What are you guys doing here? He thought to himself. He grabbed his gown and wrapped it around himself as he walked to the front door, hearing more voices coming from the stairwell. He opened the door and watched as police officers walked past, followed by paramedics in tow. He curiously followed them up the next flight of stairs, trying to understand what was going on, but to no avail. As they opened the door to flat number 29, a revolting stench spread down the hall and James tried all he could not to gag. Trying to breathe through his mouth, he approached one of the officers. Excuse me, officer. My name is James McKenzie from number 13. I'm one of the directors of the building. Could you tell me what's going on? There's a 10 to 54 and it doesn't look good, the police officer replied, step back please. He stretched out his arm to push James out of the way so that the medical officers could pass. Out came a stretcher with a body on it, covered by a grey sheet. James had seen enough movies to know what that meant. All but two officers left with the body, taking photos and making notes from what was now, blatantly evident to James, a potential crime scene. Excuse me, James called from the front door. I'm James McKenzie from number 13, I'm one of the directors of the building. One of the officers came up to him. Yes? Could you please tell me what's going on? The officer paused for a moment, looking at him in his gown. We can't say for certain until we have a look at the media data but it seems there was some sort of altercation, and we have a woman, who was residing in this apartment, that has been deceased for around four to six days. That's all I can divulge at present. Our department will be in contact if we require anything else. He turned and walked back to his colleague. James stood there in disbelief. He's never been anywhere near this type of situation before. As far as he was aware, things like this hardly happened in the valley. Suddenly, like an unwanted flashback, he recalled that argument he overheard at the beginning of the week, that evening he arrived home late from visiting Zoe. Was it, could it have been them? Was it the woman? Was that the night she died? If I actually went up to see if she was okay, instead of not caring and wanting to sleep, would she still be alive? He continued to interrogate himself as he walked back into his flat and plonked down on the sofa, his eyes and emotions hollow with guilt and disbelief. It's my fault, I could have stopped it. If only I had cared enough to go stop the argument, maybe she would have survived. He sat there for a few minutes wishing he could go back and change it. If he could only change how he had responded. If only he didn't feel so apathetic and distracted by his own blissful thoughts. Then it came to him. X. Life. He remembered the words of the Emotion Info Marshal and what the cinegraphic lady told him about X. Life, that he could go back and adapt his past emotions. If I could go back and change how I felt that night, maybe that will do enough to save that woman's life. His eyes widened in excitement like they usually did when a problem was so quickly solved by his quick thinking and initiative. He looked at his retro clock, a projection that almost filled the entire wall, it said 10.17. There is still time for me to head down to Emotion, change all this and get back in time for my date with Zoe. He did a super quick power shower, grabbed yesterday's trousers, 
a t-shirt and a cardigan. He went over to his smart fridge and requested a bowl of granola chia wheat with an extra-large helping of honey yogurt and blueberries. Fiber, probiotics, fruit and protein, it had everything a man needed. He started wolfing it down but then got impatient. He went over to his bar buddy, threw the entire contents of the bowl of breakfast into the funnel and turned it on. The bar buddy made a suction sound and, a few moments later, a health bar popped out, made from the breakfast he was just busy eating. The bar buddy was one of James's inventions from a few years ago. It sold so well that it gave him the capital he needed to start the innovation hub. He was pleased to put it to good use on an important day like today. James grabbed the bar and headed out to the nearest subway. When James arrived at the Emotion Underground station, he couldn't help but glance over at the spot where he first spoke to Zoe. I can't be late for our date tonight. He went up into the Emotion building and walked towards the receptionist. Hello Mr. Mackenzie, how can I help you today? James was slightly startled by the fact that she knew his name, but then remembered that that was one of many amazing things about this place. I would like to use X-Life please. Certainly Mr. Mackenzie, if you would please follow the info marshal behind you, he will take you through. James turned around and saw a rather slender man in a suit, beckoning for him to follow. Right this way, if you please Mr. Mackenzie. He followed the info marshal down the hall, through a door, down a thin passage, through another door and then into a larger room with separate cubicles with reclining chairs. There were monitors, wires and tubes all around each cubicle, and a strange-looking suit hanging in each corner. This all looked a bit ominous. I know what you must be thinking, Mr. Mackenzie, but don't worry, this is all just precautionary, the info marshal said, not so reassuringly. A few minutes later, James was reclining in one of the chairs, dressed in a suit which had all the tubes and wires connected to it. He realized now what it was for, one tube was for nourishment, and the other to remove waste. The wires were linked up to keep tabs on his heart rate and blood pressure. It almost felt like a hospital bed. As I'm sure you are aware, people can spend a lot of time immersed in these virtual worlds. This technology has been set up to ensure you are well hydrated and nourished throughout this time. James nodded in understanding. All right. If you're ready, I'll start up X-Life and you will take over from here. Just a reminder, unlike real life, X-Life spans back at least 64 days, which will provide you with more options on your emotional timeline. Please take this into consideration so you may choose wisely. The program started up and James was left alone. Welcome to X-Life. Now that you are comfortable, let us remind you of a few things before we get started. In a few moments, you will see a timeline of all your emotional peaks in the last 64 days, both good ones and bad ones. Once you have chosen a peak, you will then be able to see, feel and experience them once again. Then you will be able to change how you felt about that event, or, as we like to call it, a emotion that event, if you choose to do so. We wish you the very best in your experience with X. Life. As the introduction from the female voice suddenly ended, there was a moment of silence. Then a sudden rush of air filled his ears, as if he was falling from the sky. He could see a faint spot of light in the distance, and it grew bigger and bigger as an emotional timeline appeared. Okay, James, you need to think about this. 
You heard an argument the morning you arrived back from visiting Zoe. That was packed with all sorts of happy emotions. So if I go back until I see a big cluster of them then I should be close to that moment. Thankfully, there weren't too many high or low peaks in the week leading up to that evening, so it made it easier for James to navigate the time of choice. There you are. Okay, now, which spike is it? James chose the first low peak he could see after the large cluster of very high ones. Another moment of silence preempted a gust of wind, and in front of him shone a faint star, gradually coming closer until it revealed itself to be Earth, and then he saw Britopia, then the greater valley, and finally he himself and Zoe, standing outside on her family's farm. What am I doing here? He watched himself get into the drone drop and fly off. He was suddenly flooded with sad emotions. Ah, okay, so I was feeling sad that I was leaving. Damn, this program is meticulous. I'll need to skip forward to the next one. The emotion ended and he came out to the timeline again. He skipped to the next one and fell back down to earth, this time he watched as he stood outside his front door, overhearing the argument from upstairs, and felt both the fatigue that comes with staying awake into the early hours of the morning and a strong sense of complacency. Here you go, James. It's time to make the change. He took a deep breath and, moving his shoulders, he mentally shook off the feelings of complacency and fatigue. Buff up and man up, James. He put on a brave and superhero persona. Moments later, he watched himself turn from his door and go up the stairs. It worked. Once again, the emotion ended and James was back looking at the timeline. But there was a new peak that had appeared, and it wasn't looking good. Oh crap, what happened after I went? As the cogs in his brain turned, his mind was suddenly overwhelmed with the memory of something that he never personally experienced. He remembered going up the stairs that night. The arguing had grown louder with every step James took, until he could hear every word being hurled behind that closed door. He had taken a deep breath and rang the doorbell. The shouting stopped for a split second, but carried on. He pressed the silver button again, this time holding it in for three Mississippis. The door flung open. What? Good evening, sorry to bother you, James muttered as he attempted to glance behind the brick shed of a man standing in front of him. I just wanted. To see if. If you fancied popping round for a drink? I'm James, from number 13. The man standing in the doorway glared at James, giving him a, what the hell are on about look. Then his hard face softened, his tired eyes drooping to admit his current state, and then he said. Yeah, actually. I could really do with a drink. Then he followed James down to his apartment. The rest of the evening was lost in James's memory. Wow this thing is incredible. James thought to himself, before realizing that his body was feeling a little achy, his mouth dry and his belly rumbling. I better get going. I need to tidy myself and the house up before Zoe arrives. Hello Mr. Mackenzie, an info marshal appeared out of nowhere as he attempted to exit the program. Did you achieve everything you set out to do? Ah, yes thank you, I think so. The info marshal removed the wires and tubes and James changed back into his own clothes, still feeling really bizarre. He noticed the time on the monitor, excused himself quickly and rushed off to the subway as quickly as his aching body would allow. 
When he arrived back at his apartment building, he walked up the stairs to number 29 and nervously knocked on the door. A woman opened it. Hello? James smiled. Hi, how are you? He asked, with a sense of genuine care. Oh, hi, James, is it? He nodded. Yes. I'm well thank you, I'm glad you're here. I popped round the other day but you weren't home. I wanted to thank you for inviting Ricky round for that drink the other night. I'm not sure what you said to him but, he's left. James looked at the woman with concern mixed with relief. Oh, no, don't feel bad she quickly said. It's a good thing, actually. Things were getting pretty crazy that night, and I was really worried that he was going to lose it. After visiting you he just came in, packed up his things and left. Okay, well in that case. James paused as he searched for her name. Mishka, she offered with a smile. Well in that case, Mishka, I am glad that I was of some help. Have a good day. James slowly made his way downstairs, contemplating everything that had just happened. It felt as if there never were emergency services at her door this morning, and that he was only recalling a distant dream. He had definitely changed her fate, saving her life by taking her partner away for a drink, he made the conscious decision to go up and do that, that fateful evening. But it was strange to think that this wasn't his original response, and that, just this morning, she was being carried out in a body bag. Have I just changed time? Have I changed the course of history purely by correcting my emotions? What kind of technology is this? How can this possibly exist? And yet, what else can I change? He started to tidy up, his mind and heart racing at 100 miles per hour. He looked up at the time, and realized it was getting late and he smelt just horrid. He walked into the bathroom and glanced at himself in the mirror. He had a full beard, just as if he'd been growing it for two weeks, and his neat haircut was overgrown. What the heck? He jumped out of his skin, his eyes were wide as he examined himself closely in disbelief. What's going on? How long was I in there for? He quickly trimmed his beard to his normal length and jumped in the shower to wash off the sweat and smell of an extremely eventful morning. I don't understand how this has all happened, and I still can't believe I actually did it. His mind wandered as he continued his shower. What else is possible with that thing? Then he began to lose track of time. Zoe knocked her fist heavily against the door and shouted. James. Are you in there? Hello? She paused for another few moments, but felt it was getting past the point of no return. Just as she was about to turn to leave, the door flung open. Hi, hi, hi. Sorry I was busy getting dressed, he said, fastening his belt buckle. Please come in. I had the craziest morning that I can't wait to tell you about. Something to drink? Zoe had to take a moment just to reset. He was here, he hadn't forgotten about their date, and, for some odd reason, he just hadn't heard her knocking before. Hi James, she said as she entered his apartment, which looked a lot neater and less cluttered than she had expected. Yes, thank you. A red bush and chamomile latte would be lovely. Zoe scanned her eyes over James, then after, the apartment. You have a nice place, less bachelor pad than I expected. James laughed, thanks, I guess. Milk or sugar with that? 
he asked as he walked over to the beverage dispenser. Just a splash of 8% please, she replied. James also made himself chai tea latte with just a splash of milk. They sat down and made some more small talk, then Zoe paused, hoping James would ask if she was all right, but he seemed a little too excited and distracted to notice her air. So, um, I was knocking for a little while out there. Oh. James turned to her, showing some concern, you were? Yes, she half chuckled to herself, but still felt a little bit of anxiety from the moment. What? Oh I'm so sorry, Zoe. I think I was in the shower or something and couldn't hear you. I hope you weren't out there too long. She shrugged in her typical bashful way, seeming to accept his apology. Wow, I'm just really not as prepared as I should have been for tonight. It's been such a hectic day. What do you mean? James turned to her excitedly and told her all about what happened that morning. So this lady, Mishka, upstairs is alive because you went and changed your mood? Zoe asked in disbelief. Yes, James replied. And by doing so, it seems that your body has aged approximately the double amount of days that you went back into the past? Like the time it took to go there and back again? Well yes, it does feel and look that way, judging by my beard, James shrugged. Zoe took a deep breath. It's a good thing I'm already sitting down, because this is just insane. I know, I'm only just processing it myself right now. They sat together, on the couch, no longer caught up in the social intricacies of a first date, but together fully immersed in the brave new world they found themselves in. After some more drinks and discussions, they realized that they no longer lived in a world where they could only view the past, just like in real life. Now, by manipulating their mood or emotional response towards anything in the world, they could change the course of history. Then they sat there for hours, imagining all the possibilities.